Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a movie, a video game, an album, or a podcast musical. My name is Cody Morin. I'm Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Hanula. Guys, I'm happy to be here this week. Love is in the air. Oh boy. As we discussed last episode, uh, Love is Blind Season 2 comes out the same day as this episode. That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Valentine's is just around the corner. The big game is almost here. Uh, I thought we should have a couple. Uh, we should play a game on the podcast since we have a couple on the podcast uh, to celebrate oh, no. all these things coming up. So uh, I've sent uh, each of you a separate list of mostly media-related questions. Yep. Um, I'll be asking each of you those questions and seeing if you can guess what the other person put as their answer. So oh essentially boy. kind of like the newlywed game. Yep. I had a so, feeling this was going to happen. Uh, a couple of these questions are the same for each of you. A couple are different. We'll uh, we'll just see how this goes. Really quickly, I love that you said the big game so the NFL doesn't sue us. So thank you for being <laughs> conscientious. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure that no one had any ammo for that. I mm-hmm. wanted to avoid any, you know, any really touchy words around here. I'm also very curious. I don't think Cozy, I think Cozy will get one of the questions you sent me and not get the other ones, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure how many Tim will get either, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see how this goes. But uh, let's start here with, uh, the first one is one I asked both of you. Great. So, uh, Oh, we have different questions? A couple of them are different, yes. Oh, well, that's interesting. All right. Uh, so, Tim, uh, I asked Cozy what her biggest guilty pleasure piece of media is. What do you think she said? So I gave this a little bit of thought because I somewhat predicted that this game may or may not be happening. Um, Guilty pleasure piece of media is very interesting because I don't know that there's one individual piece of media. I have two answers. One is either is like real crime media of some kind either podcast or tv show and two is like tlc reality show like dance mom or like uh not not like competition show exactly just sort of like follow this weird specific thing around or like weird competition i guess like reality TLC show like Legos building or like glass blowing or like I, it's one of I, don't I have no guilt about my show. pleasure in watching those shows okay. the Lego well, masters and the blown aways of the world <laughs> all right well regardless I guess then guilty I would have to go with some sort of like real crime thing documentary or show all right cozy well, you okay, I you did actually name the thing I wrote down, which Amazing. is Dance Moms. Okay, sure. So nice. it's I I think the competitions where people have a skill in a very specific thing are not a guilty pleasure because those are just great. Um, <laughs> the shows where they uh, have children who are really good at something, but I think are probably pretty exploitative of children. Um, <laughs> I do feel guilty about watching those, but the drama is good, and it's fun to watch them be really good at a thing. Sure. I've Dance Moms, 
I could have guessed because I know I have guilted you about watching Dance Moms. I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't like to like yuck someone's yum often, but I have definitely guilted you about watching Dance Moms. But I've not seen you watch Dance Moms in a long time. That's Maybe you it's not it from on me. anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Sure, that's fair. Uh, it uh, ended. Yeah, I don't, I don't like think it would be at the top ago. of my list. And all those kids are like adults, like eighteen now, and like True. doing things and like media. They all have kind of like different careers doing different yeah. stuff so it sounds like it's time for a follow-up then i mean every other show or franchise seems to be doing like a reunion True. maybe it's time for the dance moms team to do a reunion episode actually the moms of dance moms did start a podcast awesome <laughs> is it a dance moms rewatch podcast no it's not it's just like them talking about parenting or like oh, God, dance I do or something not i don't know get parenting lessons from the dance mothers <laughs> I think they just talk about like stuff that whatever. How many episodes women their of this age. podcast have you listened to? None. Mm, <laughs> I just okay. it came across Doubt. a newsletter I listened to. I a no newsletter a newsletter I read. That this story is falling apart. A as podcast you tell it. <laughs> from the Dance Moms. Sure. All right. So, uh, cozy. I asked Tim the same question. So, what do you think Tim said is his biggest guilty pleasure piece of media? Well, I know he said on the podcast, love is blind. So that is what I will go with. Okay, Tim. Uh, I know when you sent me your answers, that was one of the answers you had said. Would you say that that is the case if we expanded it to piece of media? Um, I think if it's, if it's all pieces of media, what is the media I feel guilty about consuming? Love is Blind is not the most one, but it is my, like, if somebody were to ask me what's my guilty pleasure show, because when I think of guilty pleasure show, I don't necessarily think of something you actually feel guilt about watching. It's something that, like, you acknowledge is dumb and still watch. And, like, Love is Blind fits that the best. If you're asking me what I feel guilty about what I consume and or how I consume it, it's not the top of my list, but it's my it's my like go-to guilty pleasure show answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's I bet Cozy uh... can get the other one too though, if you actually <laughs> think about it of what the I the thing you have the most guilt about? Yes. While you think about it, Cozy, yeah, that's kind of uh similar to me and Kayla watching The Bachelor. And yeah. uh, having a fantasy bachelor league together that we participate in every season. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. Is it just the sheer amount of football manager you play? It is the sheer amount of football <laughs> manager I play. Awesome. That was my other answer. Uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Again, just you do talk about a lot how much you wish you were doing other things, but instead you get sucked into football manager. <laughs> Yeah, so the most recent football manager came out in November. We're recording this at the very end of January. I have 424 hours played on it so far. Incredible. Uh, so that that's just this year's football manager. Uh, so it's it's a problem. I feel guilty about that. Well, it is what it is. And you you I think we've talked about it before. You don't it's not necessarily always actively playing those whole 400 plus hours. No, but even if you cut it in <laughs> A quarter. That's a lot of hours. It is. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, all right, uh, Tim. Uh, next question. I had asked Cozy uh, that if she had to pick one and mm-hmm. only one, what is her favorite podcast, excluding Hard Sell, of course. Interesting. One and only one 
favorite podcast? I told Cody this was a mean question because it makes me pick one podcast, but... <laughs> Cozy yeah. also, I feel like, vacillates from podcast. Like, you will, you will listen to a podcast a lot over a period of time and then, like, stop listening to it for a while. This is well, true. Well, so now, do you think this would be one, if she would consider her favorite, something that's ongoing or something was like a mini-series style podcast. Well, Cozy's favorite everything will always be mini-series style. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that that's how she would have answered the question. Um, my guess is Hey Riddle Riddle, but I don't feel good about it. Uh, hey Riddle Riddle is close, and I thought about that one because yeah. that's by far my favorite comedy podcast, and I would say it's one of the ones that I like just love having on if I just like want to listen to a lighthearted podcast. The podcast I listed is Ear Hustle. Oh, sure. Which yeah. I think is my favorite. Why it's... is Hey Riddle Riddle close? Oh, because it, it would have been a close choice. I was, I was like, why is Hey Riddle oh, yeah. Riddle is not anything like Ear <laughs> because Hustle? Because I, I really mean, like yeah. Hey Riddle Riddle also, and I think Got it's it. um, hilarious. So Ear Hustle I picked mostly because I think it hits a lot of the things I love about podcasts generally, where it like highlights a very specific, um, I guess for people who don't know, Ear Hustle is a podcast from San Quentin State Prison. Um, it's like produced by the prisoners with like uh, the help of an outside media consultant that like goes in and talks to them and like hears their stories. And there's like executive producers who are currently inmates at the prison and former inmates at the prison. Um, so I think it's just kind of a really interesting, like, the podcasts I tend to like are these, like, slice of life, kind of, like, just highlight things that are true about prison life, and it comes from the people who are in prison, and I think it's really interesting, and the stories are always really well told and really um, compelling, and so I really like that podcast. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Are there are there other ones that are similar to that, or is that one kind of its um, own thing? I don't know of any other ones that have like come out of prison specifically. That one's one of the more unique ones. It actually like they entered a contest that they were not expecting to win to like it was like a podcast competition and they won. So they were able to like produce their podcast, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, it's uh, I mean, a lot of podcasts that I like are like reporters reporting on issues that are similar. You know, there's lots of different ones about there was a pretty good one from 99% Invisible about like the um, unhoused population in Oakland. And so I like podcasts like that that are like highlighting an issue. But I think this one's unique in that it comes from the people who are being highlighted. And I think that's a really important like side of the conversation. So that's why I like this one. Yeah, that's really that cool. makes my guess of Hey Riddle Riddle feel very unimportant. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, Tim, when I was thinking about this question, that was the podcast I had in mind for mine. So maybe sure. maybe you and I were just kind of closer linked there. That's you, probably it. You and I have a closer a relationship bit. for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Also, Tim, I feel like you maybe could have gotten that because Ear Hustle is one of the only podcasts I have a t-shirt of. It's true. Yeah. Ear Hustle, <laughs> if I would have thought about it for, for longer, it would have been on the short list for sure. But I still probably would have guessed Hey Riddle Riddle. All right. So, uh, Cozy, I asked Tim uh, if he could only listen to one musical artist from now on, who would he pick? I'll be shocked if oh, you get this. Oh, boy. Because I struggled. So, Cody sent us these questions. I took a full hour to respond. The full hour I spent 
digging through my library trying to pick an artist. <laughs> I listen to music. I like don't. I like scattershot from artist to artist as my mood. I will like listen only to one artist for like weeks or month, like a month or more at a time, and then I like won't listen to them for months. So, um, this is probably difficult. Yeah, I was. I'm kind of the same way a lot with music, especially back when I used to commute. Uh, and especially before I got any kind of Bluetooth or anything in my car, I would just have a CD or two of like an artist and that would be what I would listen to for like a month. And then I'd change to something completely different. Yeah. I feel like every once in a while you go back to like Kanye. And so I feel like that might be the artist that you're like, if I just have to like have one artist, I think I could listen to Kanye forever. Yeah. Is that your final answer? I don't have a better one, so yeah. Kanye is a good call out. I do. Kanye was a very formative artist for me, um, and I still, as much as I dislike Kanye as a person, uh, still listen to a lot of Kanye West. However, the answer I gave was Frank Ocean. Oh, um, I thought about that too. Okay. Yeah. See, I do really like because there's you have a little bit of everything. If this is the only artist I can listen to. See, Cody didn't say who's your favorite musical artist. He said, if you could only listen to one artist, who would it be? Yeah. And so, like, Frank Ocean, I, I get a little bit of everything. There's some R&B. There's some good poppy stuff. There's it, weird, like, experimental stuff. There's got a couple really good rap songs. So Frank was my pick. All right, nice. Well, so we're still sitting at kind of one point apiece here. Uh, Tim, for the last question, I asked Cozy, uh, I had said that, you know, we joke that she doesn't really remember plots of movies, story yeah. beats, things like that sometimes. What, it's not a joke, but yeah. What <laughs> What would be the one movie that you think she'll never forget? Hmm. I'm going to be honest, the only thing in my brain right now is none of the above. Um, is that a movie? Which is to say no movie. No. Um, <laughs> what is a movie you'll never forget? Interesting, interesting. Literally, <laughs> not as a joke, literally I think the answer might be there isn't one. I don't know that there's a movie that Cozy can't forget the plot of. Not wow. even something like Arrival that we've talked about? Or no, like I def- Cozy for sure. We, okay, oh, so we for did the podcast, go to rewatch Arrival and I, and I had fully forgotten the plot. She was fully like <laughs> like gasping at things. Being like, what's going to happen? I'm like, we have watched this together it, like in the last couple of years. So I don't, I can't think of a movie that you couldn't forget the plot of. Okay, I've listed two movies. I think two because... On sheer rewatch value, how many times I've seen these movies, I think I could okay. remember them. Does that help? No. All right. I just can't. I just, your <laughs> ability to forget plots is unsurpassed. Okay, so I well, can't imagine weird. what it could possibly be. Okay. So the one that, first one I listed, I thought you might be able to get was 17 again. Unbelievable. Mm. You have not rewatched that in years. How dare you say I could get yeah, that? Yeah, but I still know what happens in it. So. Okay. The other it's one. It's just Freaky was, Friday with Zach Efron. <laughs> All right, well, and the other one is Big Hero 6. Mm, that's a good oh. one. Because I used to rewatch, that was like my thing I would have on in the background yeah, in while I was in school. And I watched it a lot of times, and I think I can remember the plot of that one. 
Okay, we'll do a quiz one of these days. Some intro segment I'm hosting, I'm going to quiz you on the plot of Big Hero 6, and we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, 17 right. again, like I believe. A year from now. I, yeah, I should have got 17 again. I'm not going to lie. When Cody said movies, immediately my brain was like Zac Efron. He's going to ask, like, what is the... <laughs> some anything. I was like, Zac Efron's going to be my guess, but it, it went out there. I thought about saying high school musical, but I didn't want to put you on blast like that. I was in the play High School Musical, so I do know a lot of the songs from that more than I wish I did. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That's my bad. I got to get my head in the game. It's all good. <laughs> uh, we'll just have to hope that Cozy doesn't get this last one. It'll end in a tie. Very yeah. unsatisfying. Cozy, <laughs> I asked Tim uh, if he had to cut out one team and couldn't watch their games anymore at all. Who would he remove, Arsenal or Yankees? I think he would cut out the Yankees. And that is what Tim told me as well. Yeah, when I when I pitched this and he answered me, I thought that this one might be one that you would end up getting based on his response. Mm-hmm. Tim, if I had included the 49ers in this question, would that have made it any more difficult to answer? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, I watch... Um, more Yankees games per year than the 49. Like, I'm a bigger Yankees fan than the 49ers by far. If the answer was, like, I have to obliterate one from the face of the earth, it's a much harder (laughs) question because I'm, like, emotionally tied to the Yankees similarly. But in terms of, like, like I don't watch a lot of baseball. My enjoyment of baseball is, like, following it as as a just sort of, like thing that's happening more so than like watching the games as opposed to soccer which i'm like waking up at five in the morning on the west coast to watch games so it's a different uh and the 49ers like i like but i'm not you know i got into football through fantasy football so i'm a 49ers fan but i'm not like uh uh you know when arsenal loses especially to a team they're supposed to win it like destroys my mood for a few hours and i there's no other teams that are like that like the yankees even if i like if the yankees lose a game it's fine and if the arsenal loses a game i'm on twitter i'm on reddit i'm talking about how many players need to be traded i'm angry (laughs) i'm pacing in the apartment ranting about the formation um so it's it's a different level and you have you know, not lived with me when I have been a fan of a team as intensely as Arsenal. Like the, I like Arsenal now the way I liked the Yankees when I was in high school. And like, um, it, I think it can be an unpleasant experience to uh, encounter me in a mood like that, which is probably why it's easier for Cozy to answer that. I, we were late to this recording because I was ranting about Arsenal. So, um, you know. Yeah, especially when you were talking about that uh, before we started recording. I I got the feeling that Cozy's probably going to get this one right. Perhaps. But uh, speaking of, you know, people being angry when uh, challenges don't quite go their way. Great transition. Uh, Tim, uh, I, last week, I or last episode, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. every two weeks, uh, I pitched you Taskmaster. Uh, and I'm curious to hear what you thought about it. You did. When you were thinking of transitions, were you thinking about doing something British or was it always going to be challenge, et cetera, et cetera? I had no idea. I just wait until I hear something that sounds vaguely similar, like <laughs> games or See, that's what I try to do. It doesn't or... work out for me. So kudos to you. <laughs> um, 
Yes, I watched Taskmaster. Cozy also watched um, all of Taskmaster with me. Uh, as a reminder for the audience, Taskmaster is a panel, like British panel show, which basically just means sort of like kind of game show, but you don't really win anything. Like it's just a comedy game show um, created by comedian Alex Horn. Uh, presented or hosted by Alex Horn and a comedian named Greg Davies. And it basically just has a group of five comedians who, over the course of a season, uh, attempt to complete different weird challenges that are as simple as, like, throw this ball into this cup from at least this far away, and whoever does it first wins. Or whoever throw a ball into a cup, and whoever does it from the furthest wins. Um... And they just try to complete the series of challenges that they pre-record and then watch all together at once in front of a sort of live audience as they judge how the different comedians did and award points based on their performances. And they there's a winner of each show and then there's a winner of the season at the end of the season. Um, so Cozy and I watched Taskmaster. We watched series or season... Apparently in the UK they call seasons series. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's um, what it seems like. Uh, but at least for this game show, they called them series. Um, so we watched series one, which is the first one. Um, and then we watched series seven as well, because it included James A. Caster, who's one of my most favorite comedians right now. Um, when we went into the show... Um, I'm a, I was worried, the only thing I was worried about, my, my fear for the show, the version where I feel really down on this is a version where it feels like the Tonight Show. So like when Jimmy Fallon does little games with celebrities, like so often these like game shows with celebrities, whether it's like celebrity, I don't know, what are they, like a lip sync battle or like uh, anything on The Tonight Show or stuff like that, where the joke is a celebrity doing a funny thing, those, like, deeply don't work for me. Like, yeah. to the level that I, f I usually find them, like, pretty off-putting, where I'm like, either, like, the celebrity doesn't really feel like they, like, they're playing along and they're being a good sport, but, like, they're doing this because they're on a press tour or, like, there's... The joke is like, look at Jennifer Lawrence just like being a normal person. I'm like, she doesn't get kudos points for being a normal person. Like, right. That's not <laughs> funny to me. Um, and it was not, I didn't find it to be that at all. Like there were, obviously these are all like more or less famous comedians in the UK. Again, I think people like Frank Skinner and James A. Castor are a lot more famous than some of the other people. Um, yeah, and, and some of them have, like, more fame just in different areas. Like I had talked yeah. about when I pitched it, like, um, a lot of them, at least from my experience with them, is that they're they're well-known for being on, like, other panel shows. Like, that yeah. is part of what they do is they just go to different panel shows, or a couple of them are just regulars on, like, one or two different panel shows, that that is just part of what they do. I don't... I can't think of any here, but like Josh Whittacombe, I know has been on yeah. a couple episodes of just different ones that I've watched and, and yeah. Rasheen is on a lot of them. 
Yeah, Ramesh has been on a lot. I, I was looking this around later also, and it's, it is just sort of like a thing a lot of them do. And so it is like the consistently through the thing, the thing that is funny is the task, is like whatever the task is and how they're trying to do it, like whatever wacky thing they're doing or the just like the absurdity of the situation is the humor not the absurdity of pete davidson doing a thing and i'm like yes. that uh i was much it it becomes a much easier sell at that point um and i think like the way this format works is if it feels like the players also like really care like because you've got whose line is it anyway, right? I think that's probably like the closest thing that most people listening to this would have watched of like an improv game show where like the points don't, you know, the whole thing with whose line is like the points don't matter. Um, the points matter here a little more. Like there's a winner of each show and there's a winner of the series, but they don't actually like win anything meaningful. Well, we'll get to that. They don't usually <laughs> win anything meaningful. Yeah, typically. Um, so like, you know, it's, it, it doesn't really matter, but like for this premise to work, the thing that is funny is watching these people do these crazy timed challenges that require them to like think on their feet or think laterally or be really creative really quickly with cameras on them and people watching them and then watch back and laugh at themselves. That doesn't work if they don't like really want to win um and i was impressed with the drive that the different contestants showed immediately the very first challenge of the show <laughs> ever aired was the watermelon challenge where a contestant needed to eat as much watermelon as possible i think you teed this up in the the last episode yeah um in one minute and they like walked into a room and there was a full uncut watermelon just on a table and watching how they uh, all approached that differently was very funny and watching Ramesh Ranganathan absolutely obliterate the watermelon on the floor I mean at like completely spike a watermelon into the ground and it goes everywhere and then just like scoop watermelon off the floor in his mouth until he's like retching a minute later i was like okay i can see i can see what this show's going for yeah there are uh there are some points where these people definitely uh go a little bit intense ramesh on a later task uh they have to produce the most tears and he mm -hmm. uh some of them choose like onions and stuff like that and ramesh just goes and puts hot sauce in his eyes yes uh-huh just fully dumps hot sauce into his eyes i don't think he even wins that task didn't someone no. else win yeah. uh, i think it was frank because he had the idea to like collect tears from yes. other people also yes because you had to so that's a lot of what the show is is like you get the the task you open an envelope and it says produce as many tears as possible you have three minutes or whatever and so most of the contestants try to make themselves cry through any number of things. And Frank got the full crew uh, who was filming him and everyone else into a room and had them all like cut onions and like told them a sad story and like <laughs> scooped all of their tears. And that is a lot of what this show is, is like 
the contestants either like breaking the rules or like taking the the contestants who win most often are people who either kind of break the rules but not totally or like interpret the prompt creatively or like very literally and follow the rules but like not do the super obvious thing and that also is funny because the best things like the funniest parts are when they attempt to do that and it doesn't work um yeah it just totally backfires on them correct is and then they the sink funniest. half their time into trying a thing that is like never gonna succeed yes um I think those, like, the way that the tasks are set up to, like, encourage them to think creatively and think beyond just, like, the super obvious thing, I think is really smart. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, I know there was one where they had to, like, go to the lab and bring a box and fill with pairs of glasses, and one of them thought they were being so smart by, like, going to the lab to determine which box they should bring first, even though that was like explicitly against the rules. Yes. Yeah. Different things like that. Just like things like that, totally backfiring on them thinking that they're definitely have it in the bag this time. Yes. Um, So yeah, lots of, lots of good moments there. So I think part of what also made this interesting to me is like, whose line, whose line or most, game shows that I've seen like this have like they end at the show like you you do one night of show and then it's over and I think having five contestants all stick around for a full season um I think is really smart because the thing that happens the like secret sauce of this show is the relationships between the contestants and the hosts Um, and like those relationships develop over the course of a season as like different contestants see other contestants because they film all of their tasks weeks ahead of time separately. And then they all watch them together separately on separate shoot nights. So if I'm a contestant and I did the straightforward thing that, I felt like was effective. And then I'm watching other contestants do creative things over and over and over again that I'm like, I wish I would have thought of that. You can see them get like annoyed slash frustrated, but in a like, in a fun way, annoyed slash frustrated in a, uh, not actually annoyed or frustrated, just in a, I wish I would have thought of that way. Um, and the way they, Again, they're all comedians. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody who's been on here has done at least some stand-up. Almost all of them have experience with other, like, improv panel shows. So they're very good at, like, making fun of each other and making fun of the show and making fun of Greg, the Taskmaster, um, in a way that I think adds a lot to the show. And having the same cast for uh, Series 1 was 6 episodes and Series 7 was 10 episodes... I think is helped like develop those relationships in a way that if you just switch the cast over and over and over again, I think would be, I, it would feel definitely less. There were times where I like finished an episode and I was like, I want to watch another episode. And I don't think that would have been the case if it was constantly a different cast. 
Yeah, and I think I think it works well that they went to a longer series because um, the you know like you said the first series was six episodes. I think the second series was six or eight, and mm. then they started doing like nine, ten, eleven episode seasons. Yeah, and I and I think that worked out well because you you know through those ten episodes you get to know kind of the personalities of these five people really well, mm-hmm. and kind of kind of try to get an idea of like how they might go about a task and then be surprised when they do something completely different. Yeah. And I think most of these people are not like best friends. Like they're people yeah. who've done the tasks. And so you can also see them get more comfortable, like making fun of each other and making jokes as the series goes on. Like the worst episodes of both series were like the first couple in each series. Um, as they, they get bolder and braver, um, some bolder and braver than others. Um, <laughs> but like as the series goes on to like lobby that they should be given more points than they should have or to lobby that somebody else be detracted points or whatever. <laughs> and it's it's that stuff that makes it uh, the most fun. And I, I think it having more episodes like gives them time to like build that dynamic. Yeah. And, and, you know, we see them, you know, some of them do have, like, longer relationships with each other, too, so you see that in them, or, like, have known Greg or Alex for a long time. Uh, Rod, we see that a lot, a lot in the uh, seventh series with Rod Gilbert, between yeah. him and Greg, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot. I think the, the relationships I highlighted that I thought were fun were Ramesh and Greg, and uh, their clearly antagonistic relationship. Um... <laughs> Tim Key and Frank Skinner in season one. I think every time they were like together in a group task was deeply funny to me. Um, James Acaster and Rod Gilbert also had a very fun antagonistic yes. relationship, <laughs> especially on team tasks. Yep. They, were, they had a team task where uh, there was James, Phil Wang and Rod Gilbert on a team task where they needed to like build a structure and Rod started to fully just go do his own thing separately, like build a third. He didn't. He wasn't even building a structure. No. Just do something else. And then eventually Phil abandoned James to also help Rod not do the thing. Uh, and watching James get more and more exasperated in the task and then also exasperated all over again, rewatching it as... Uh, Rod just cackled <laughs> and it's not like I don't he wasn't intentionally trying to like bomb the task uh, it was just very funny to watch right. them completely fail to work together yeah they very much had different ways of going about these tasks or even just like when uh, I think there was a different task or no maybe it was the same one where uh, James and Phil were like actively trying to plan something and get uh parts and stuff together and rod was just like laying on the ground (laughs) thinking as he seemed to do a lot in these tasks yes they have very different james's process for all of the tasks was typically like do the thing as he thought of it and just like improvise the thing and rod's was much more like take a beat and like think of something easy and simple and then do the thing and james was like manically do a bunch of things quickly. Um, (laughs) And I think they worked different for different tasks, but they never work together. Uh, Those two approaches don't combine well. Um, 
So that was that was fun to watch. Yeah, especially doesn't work well when, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, a lot of these tasks have very short time frames where you have to do this like it's 10 minutes or something to, you know, build an entire structure that is supposed to be against the taskmaster house. Yes. Or something like that. So when you have someone who wants to spend the first five minutes laying on the ground thinking of a solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that it doesn't, doesn't quite uh, mesh well. Not quite. So, but with that said, I think like the cast relationships were perfect in both of these seasons. Uh, Alex Horn, who like plays Greg's sort of meek assistant, um, he sort of like serves as the referee for the tasks and serves as like Greg Davies, the taskmaster's like assistant and lackey um, in the live tapings. Um, he's actually like the showrunner. He's the guy who came up with this. The show started in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and it was like his idea. Um, and he is, he gave an interview where he talked about like finding the perfect cast is not like an exact science and it's about finding people who have different vibes who you think will approach tasks differently and who are all funny and all will be like engaging and creative and not like suck but also like are different from each other and i think the cast for both seasons they they do a really good job casting these you know a cast of like five rod gilberts would be insufferable (laughs) but like a rod gilbert is great in this show and i think like that is the figuring out how to like balance that at least in the two seasons that we watched i mean there are like 13 now so i can't speak for all of the series obviously but for at least one in seven those balances felt really good yeah uh, uh, this is kind of one of kale's and my go-to shows when they have new episodes uh Mm -hmm. we'll typically watch through them um and so we've watched all yeah 12 or 13 seasons they have out right now and there's definitely um there are points where there may be like a contestant on a series that we don't like as much either just yeah. they don't mesh as well with the other people or just um you know it's, you know like you said all of them are comedians some of them their kind of comedic style comes out naturally in them doing these tasks and it's just like not our favorite style mm-hmm. but overall um i think most of the series kind of accomplishes that where they have a good mix of like people who approach tasks very differently from each other. And there's not any season where like it all feels kind of the same. Like people are kind of doing things the same. Like they, I think they've done a really good job across the series of getting, of setting that up with the five unique contestants. Yeah, I think so. Um, Also just shout out for Alex Horn. Alex Horn is like the secret sauce (laughs) that makes this show go having. I mean, he plays like totally a straight man. Like he doesn't um, generally tries like not to smile or not to like give any undue hints and just is there while they do the tasks Um, and having him there to sort of do the like Jim Halpert, look at the camera as needed or have him be there just like having that presence added such a layer of if it was just them alone with the cameras with no one else i think it could start to feel bad when they're struggling with a task um it could start to feel like this is like pathetic or like sad (laughs) and i think having 
Alex there playing like a clearly playing like a comedic character by virtue of like taking this stupid show like deeply seriously. Yeah. Um is is really necessary to like ground the show and the audience in the fact that like this is all like a joke at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean there there are some cuts where like you'll for a brief glimpse see Alex in the background as someone is struggling on a test, just like completely cracking up at how they're trying <laughs> to do something and just completely failing. And I always love those moments, just seeing him yes. not able to contain himself he... because someone's taken like an hour to do something someone else did in like five, 10, 15 minutes. Yes. When he breaks character, it is always funny. Um, they also many contestants figured out that you can like use him as a prop slash like accomplice <laughs> like he won't um, ever like volunteer. But if you're like, hey, can you hold this or hey, can you like do this thing for me or whatever? He almost always will do it like you can use him as a helper. You just have to tell him what to do. Um, and so that was always funny. I think Rod Gilbert undressed alex horn probably seven times <laughs> over the course of series seven um so that was always a fun bit um but yeah he's he he did a really good job making the show go um i think the only part that like didn't work for me that much was the prize tasks after season one so you'll have to tell me if series seven is different from other series or if series one is but at the start of every show, the first task is to, like, bring something to the show. And it's either, like, bring your most valuable thing or bring something that's surprisingly beautiful or bring something, your creepiest item. And they have to, like, bring basically, like, an offering <laughs> uh, that fits that. And then they're scored based on how well their item fits the criteria. And then whoever wins that show gets to bring all of those items home. They win those. Those are the prizes you win. Um, in series one, there were things like bring your most valuable item. And Ramesh offered his car. Or like, <laughs> uh, bring your most sentimental item. And Ramesh, again, offered his wedding ring. Or... Uh, one of them was like, bring your most meaningful item or something like that. And Josh Whittacombe got Greg Davies' name tattooed on him. <laughs> um, and so, like, those were hardcore. And then Series 7, the items were more like jokes. Like, they more, like, yeah. used the prizes to, like, do bits. Yeah. Um, and, like, those, they did that sometimes in Series 1 also. But, like, if it's all five bits... It's not, it's more funny when they're like offering up real big, like meaningful prizes, I think, than when they're just like using the task as an opportunity to like do a bit. And yeah, that is, that is definitely something that changed after like season one and two, like series one and two, they had, I think they had more simple prize tasks, like most yeah. impressive item, most valuable item. And just kind of as they went, they didn't want to reuse prize tasks and so I think on one hand, they kind of had to get more creative with what they were asking people to bring. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it did also definitely become more like a joke. Like one of the episodes the, in season seven, I think, was the most exciting thing beginning with G and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that is something that definitely it changed more towards what series seven is than what se series one is. Yeah, that's not surprising. 
But I did miss that, watching Series 7 versus Series 1. I wish there were more. There's also maybe something, too. Uh, comedians didn't want to keep losing their wedding rings or cars. <laughs> or, or cars. Um, Although, to be fair, Car- Carrie Godleman did offer up a car, I think, in one That's of the... That's true. She did lose, like, tests. a camper or something like that, A camper I think. van or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. So there were, there were still a few of those, but um, the prize tests in general I liked better in the first one. Yeah. Um, so I think those are my big notes. I, we've already, I've mentioned most of my like favorite contestants between like James A. Castor and Rod Gilbert. I really yeah. liked Jessica Knappett from series seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. she was deeply funny and like approached the tasks in a, not like trolly make a joke out of the way, but in a really funny way. Often her use of the air horn noise, <laughs> Um, was majestic. Her ability to fall off the stage immediately I, yeah. after Alex Horn oh said you shouldn't fall off the stage. I, um, I was going to ask if you had any favorite moments from the series that you watched because that was one of mine. Just like I about died laughing when she fell off the stage. And, yes. you know, after I knew she was okay, but... <laughs> yeah, I died was, laughing immediately. Yeah, um, it was... Uh, it was very good, and especially since all the other contestants were blindfolded and had no idea what was happening. <laughs> yes, uh, that was great. Uh, another favorite moment was um, James Acaster telling um, Greg to open the fucking box, you pussy, after he'd been trying to open a puzzle box for about a second and a half and then look immediately regretting it being pulled to the side. Um, that bit was incredibly funny to me. Um yeah, lots of lots of very good good moments. I loved the uh the siren task that they did in the last episode of season seven or season yeah, season seven. Yes. I have uh, listed that. Uh, they so I have t- some of some yeah, of my favorite ahead. tasks um that I have listed out here. These are just off the top of my head. There are, I'm sure there are ones that I also laughed at. I loved chronologically any of the tasks that required them to like guess the contents of a thing without touching them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, those don't sound that funny, but like the way those are the ones that I think had the like highest degree of divergence in how they went about trying to do them. And any task that involved like comedians holding a pastry up to like their ear and trying to figure out what it was filled with. Um, or trying to telepath to determine yeah, what was, yes, what was in them. To, like, <laughs> psychically mind meld with uh, <laughs> a, a uh, yeah like a pie is was um uh those were always funny um there was a task in series one to disappear a giant block of ice you had to make a giant block of ice disappear which tim key threw in a river and said it's disappeared now um that one really got me for some reason he did not win that argument um, I loved the get to 11 points as fast as possible. They had a task where they had to go into like a squash court or like racquetball court. I don't remember. Um, and they were told to just get to 11 points as fast as possible. Um, uh, what they didn't know is they got a point every time they touched their head. And so watching them like go slowly mad, trying to figure out how to gain points was very funny to me. Um, the task of making Josh Whittacombe count things was a task he had that no one else was given. So this is part of the conceit, right? Is like you, they all film their tasks separately. So the implicit thing they understand is everyone else is also being made to do these stupid, dumb things. 
But for one show, just as a gag, they made Josh Whittacombe do, I think, like, four different times, say, like, count all of the baked beans in a can of baked beans. Or, like, count the grains of rice in a bag <laughs> of rice. And, like, these stupid... Te- that didn't matter, that he, like, didn't get points for, that they just, like, aired... You're like, oh, by the way, we also made Josh do these stupid things. That uh, <laughs> moment was truly great. And I think, um, I think I'm glad. So that one, uh, spoiler for future series, that yes. is something that they kind of stopped doing. Yeah. Uh, after, I think they did it again, maybe season two and maybe one other season. Yeah. But I think it, it would have gotten old if they did it every season. Agreed. But for the first couple seasons to do that to one contestant. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, just just as a thing to do is also like I think this show consistently like gets that right of like if a bit is funny to do once, they typically only do it once. Or if a bit requires you to do it every single time, like the way James A. Caster absolutely refused to acknowledge the presence <laughs> of Alex Horn in any of his tasks. Um, that's funny only because he did it literally every time. Um even when they, his other teammates right. on a team task would uh, acknowledge Alex. Yes. Eventually, a few times he got his teammates to also not acknowledge Alex, which was, <laughs> yeah. which was good. Uh, so I really liked that one. I loved do something impressive in reverse. So they had to like do a thing mm-hmm. in reverse uh, that would look impressive when the video was reversed. Only because Ramesh made the truly insane tree wizard <laughs> video where he... I don't even know how to I explain it. I love Tree Wizard. Uh, yes, he called himself Tree Wizard. He had a whole song. I don't know that it was impressive, but I'm pretty sure he won that task. Um, I loved Ten Word Story While Running, where they needed to run across a field while they wrote down a story that was exactly ten words, only specifically because James A. Caster's final story that he wrote that was ten words long was The Boy Ran to France. And I loved that boy, <laughs> which is not a story, but it's fine. Um, and that, I don't know. Something about that just cracked me up so much. Um, that one was really good. I loved the alter your appearance in an elevator task where they had to, they had like five minutes to prepare and then they had to alter their appearance over the course of a like 20 second elevator ride as much as possible to be look different when the doors opened. Um, that was a total shit show uh, in a way that was very funny. Um, let's see. I think those were like the most of the best ones. And then the siren sound slash tie your up tasks. They were told like probably days or weeks earlier um, that if they heard a specific siren they needed to immediately run to the front of the house all these tasks happen in like the same house um and put on a boiler suit like a jumpsuit and then lie face down on the ground uh and so days later they were given a task where they needed to uh tie themselves up in a way that would make uh that would Alex would then have to untie them and would take him a very long time. And whoever won is whoever it took Alex the longest to untie. And halfway through that task, the siren sounded. And so watching them all like be like, seriously, and then panic to untie themselves uh, and quickly run to put the suit on and then 
realize after that was all done that they still have to retie themselves up with the shortened time uh, was was very funny and very smart. Yeah, especially seeing them at such various points in what they were doing. Like, Phil, having not tied himself up at all, is like, oh, easy. Mm-hmm. Or not remem- <laughs> or someone not remembering that the siren meant anything. Yes, that was funny. <laughs> Rod had absolutely no idea. Yeah, Which was ironic because he would have been perfect because his strategy was to tie Alex up instead of him because then Alex would have to untie himself and then untie Rod. Um, and so it would have been perfect, but it took him like an extra 30 seconds to remember what the side he needed to be prompted to uh, remember what the siren was for. Um, so yeah, that one was good. Yeah, Rod had some good approaches to tasks like that. Uh, or like there was even just the simple, uh, there was one that was just don't blink. And yep. everyone else essentially tried to have oh a staring contest with the camera. And Rod, like, did everything he could to just hold his eyes open. He tried to have them, like, duct tape his eyes opened. Uh, he didn't blink for seven minutes. <laughs> the next closest was, like, a minute. And I was, I thought that was impressive. And I was like, oh, God, it was <laughs> horrific to watch. But good for him, I guess. Yeah. Yes, his were good. He also did a... There was one that you needed to deliver a task to Alex, the envelope that carried the task, in a spectacular way. Uh, And his uh, approach was to put it on a javelin and hurl the javelin in the direction (laughs) of Alex, uh, which ended up embedding itself in the wall of the, like, camper van that Alex, presumably in-universe, stays in. Um, So, yeah, he he was... um, yeah, there were some deranged um, approaches. But again, that's the thing of, like, a season full of Rod Gilberts, and you're like, this is stupid, but, like, one Rod Gilbert in a season is the perfect amount, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think, yeah, and like I said, I think they do a pretty good job of kind of of kind of keeping that balance pretty well throughout the seasons. Yeah. Cozy, any other task or, or show highlights you wanted to talk about? No, I think you hit the highlights. Yeah, those were pretty good. I also liked um um there was there was one where they had a there was a switch in the lab and they had to figure out what happened when they hit the switch. Oh yes, that yeah. one was good. I liked that one. And the uh, one person who didn't realize you could leave the lab like flipped it like seven times was like nothing happens. I figured it out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was good. Um the make the best noise yes uh was very good watching that was i think one of the places with jessica's siren noise um it was the one where james a caster made uh did 10 minutes of work building a contraption that made a pretty lame thunk noise <laughs> um yeah that one was pretty good anywhere they like made them like They've, like, flipped the task around after they thought they had completed it. Like, the one where they had to put, like, 50 different items into a thing. And then after they had done that full task, they realized they needed to make an image of the taskmaster out of the things they put in the in the bin. So, they, like... Like, I loved those little twists. Again, I think it would be overkill if they did it too much. But I think they do it enough of, like... Uh, just like get them to really focus on one task and then kind of like flip it around on them that they're now stuck with this thing they've done. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's something that they do really well throughout the other series too is, um, you know, they they use a lot of variety in their tasks. They don't, um, 
they don't tend to kind of repeat themselves a lot in their format of the tasks. Yeah, because there's just a, in the tasks themselves. There's like a Big Brother style thing where like people know what types of like com- competitions they do on Big Brother. Like they all have names. There's like different like jo- genres of things where it's like, oh, this is the one where you have to get really dizzy and then do a thing. Like you could like prepare for them. You cannot prepare for the Taskmaster. <laughs> tasks. Definitely not. No, like, I mean, in one episode, you have one task where it's very simply get a ball into a hole as few strokes as possible. You have make the best noise, and then you also have uh, excite Alex, <laughs> and the greatest <laughs> increase wins, and that yeah. is the whole task. Like, very, very different. Uh, no way to really predict what a task is going to be. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if, if you don't have anything else, Tim, I'm uh, interested yeah. to hear, was this a yaw or a naw for you? It's definitely a yaw for me. I think, again, it's there's no like uh, subtlety or deeper meaning or <laughs> yeah. a ton to like analyze in the show. But, you know, I was talking to Cozy and I was like, sometimes I'm not in the mood to watch some sort of like deep, you know, you know me, I love the depressing shit, but sometimes you just need to watch a grown man touch a bunch of eggs to try to figure out which one is the hard-boiled <laughs> egg. Um, or jump like, into a bathtub to get the water out of it as quickly as possible. Right, yes, or uh, stick their underwear out of a grotto on a stick. Um, <laughs> and, like, this this show accomplishes that. Like I said, I think the the way that it leverages comedians who are funny and who are just, like, naturally funny and will do these tests creatively instead of leveraging, like, celebrities, um, I think is sort of, like, the secret sauce that makes this show good. Um, And so, yeah, no, I I really liked it. I I think, again, it's not, like, a, a thing that we will will be like top of the list if I have to watch these, but next time we're in the mood for short stuff, we'll I'm definitely gonna watch more of the show. Yeah. Well good. I'm glad to Cozy, hear you guys both that's... liked it. I'm also a yaw for many similar reasons. I I didn't even know like panel shows were like a thing. Like I'm also curious to like check out more panel shows generally. Um because yeah. we were we found some clips on TikTok of just James Acaster on panel shows and some of the other ones seem kind of interesting too. So I think it also, um, I found a whole new genre of uh, show I can find uh, to like. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. There's one that started off as like a, um, oh, I don't know what you call it. They, they did like a mashup shows for a while where like there was one common panel panel show that was eight out of 10 cats and yeah. they have a regular kind of Jeopardy style serious game show in the UK called Countdown. And uh, they did a mashup that eventually just became its own series called 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, where they just play the game show, but do their same kind of usual goofs with the same cast. And that one is one of my favorites. Just, you know, the the game show itself does not really matter. It's just a bunch of these same comedians coming back every week and doing just kind of silly bits and regular comedy stuff. And it's very good. Nice. Well, good. I'm glad to hear you guys liked it. Yeah, it was a good one. All right. uh, Now we're in that time of the show where I think it's time to throw it over to cozy. Cozy. What do you got for us in our middle segment today? 
Um, are you guys familiar with uh, the kind of like flow charts you can find online of like what to watch next on Netflix? Yes. Uh, no. It's like a series of questions where it's like, are you in the mood for a movie or TV show? And then you pick one or the other and then it'll be like, do you want something lighthearted or a drama? And then you like pick one or the other. And then at the end, it'll like give you, it'll like lead you to uh, the TV show you should watch next. Okay. I have created one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Specifically for sports documentaries. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> okay. Cody, you mentioned when we when Tim pitched F1 that you had never seen a single sports documentary. And that, besides F1, still the case. Okay, so I've created a flow chart. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Based on your answers, I will recommend you a sports documentary. <laughs> great (laughs) and then i have a separate one for tim because i know which sports documentaries he's seen and some of those are on the list for um our potential options for the flow chart for cody um so i picked different ones for tim okay all right hit me what do you got all right i also uh i created a flow chart so i did like make one that our listeners can look at that we can post with the episode too so great yeah, we'll we'll link to it and tweet it out afterwards. Nice. So go to our Twitter at Hard to Sell Show on Twitter, and you can find the flowcharts to figure out which sports documentary you should be watching. And then email us at hardsellshow at gmail dot com if you did watch it, and let us know. All right. So Cody, um, for your sports documentary, what to watch next? Are you interested in a primetime sport or a sport that's a little more obscure? Uh. You know, I liked going into F1 uh, not knowing really anything about it. So let's go with something that's a little more obscure. Okay. TV or podcast? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say TV. Okay. Would you rather watch something where someone's the greatest of all time at their sport or something with a scandal? Ooh, a scandal sounds more fun. I think that, I think, although it would be also interesting to learn about people who are the greatest of all time in an obscure sport. But let's go with the scandal. I'm, I'm in the mood to I see think something scandal salacious. of obscure sports is also very funny. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the documentary you have selected is Icarus, um, which is focused Good on name. doping in uh, bicycling. And it's this okay. guy who I think he was a reporter, but he was basically trying to like get to the bottom of like the whole doping investigation um, by like doping himself. Like he was going through this program with this like Russian doctor who ended up being one of the people implicated in the like Russian doping scandal <laughs> in the Olympics, like while he was it like twisted like mid him filming this documentary. So incredible. It's really interesting. I got like I went into like a really strong rabbit hole of like researching a lot of the events that are like mentioned in this. It started as like a he was looking at like Lance Armstrong's doping scandal stuff, um, and then it turned into the whole Olympics. Like it, it's a really good documentary um, focusing yeah. on scandal of uh, doping in cycling slash the Olympics. So, yeah, Lance Armstrong was the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned that, and so. Uh... That's interesting to hear that it completely flips on its head partway through. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) Does it set it up at all in the early episodes that that's going to happen? Or it just is completely focused in the early episodes 
as though that's only what it's going to be about is about it, like it like cycling. flips pretty early in the documentary like because okay. I'm I, I'm sure they edited the whole thing like after they'd filmed it all so yeah yeah I'm trying to remember it was been a while since I watched it and as we've mentioned on this podcast already I forget all plots so I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh I was happy enough with the recommendation last time with F1. Uh, I might have to give Icarus a shot then. Nice. All right, Tim, do you want to take my flowchart quiz? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Would you prefer a documentary that focuses on a specific event or moment or something that is more about the historical context surrounding something? This is tough because I want both of those. Can I do a specific <laughs> moment that also has an interesting historical context? <laughs> I guess what is that? If I want something that's a specific moment, I guess that's historical context then. I guess historical context is more like it's not about one moment's historical context. It's about like more broader context. Then no, I want a moment. I want like a season or a playoff or a thing. Okay. Then, yeah. Uh... Would you prefer a scandal or a personal look at athletes? Personal look at athletes is one of the options. A personal look at like the athletes. It's more focused on like the athletes. All right, that if it's are a moment, I want a scandal. I'll do a, a momentary scandal. Okay. Two um, scandalous ones. Perfect. Are you interested in some a primetime sport or a more obscure sport? If I do obscure sport, is it going to be Icarus? It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do I'll do prime time sport. <laughs> okay, uh, you have chosen the podcast uh, "The Edge" about the Houston Astros. Oh, sure, I've heard you talk oh, about this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is a podcast where um, they a reporter kind of looks at the not just the context surrounding the Houston Astros, like specific the year they were using the like banging on the trash cans to like signal to the batters like when it was going to be a slower fast pitch um but also like where it goes into like the whole history of the Astros like the history of cheating in baseball like why it took so long for people like catch on to what was happening like all these other things and as someone who is not watched a lot of baseball um nor really had any context for it I really enjoyed this podcast and like how it laid it out and a lot of the like history it gave for baseball and how it like kind of just gave you the whole context for that event um because I had heard about the like cheating scandal obviously but I like didn't really understand like the broader implications for like both the sport and like the cultural implications and stuff so I think this podcast does a great job of like explaining all that yeah, well, I'm very interested because as a Yankees fan, I very much hate the Astros <laughs> for cheating the Yankees out of the World Series in 2018 uh, by banging on trash cans. So uh, I'm I'm definitely down. I'm very interested. Yeah, me too, because I also I love the Astros for what they did to the Yankees. So uh, oh, I'm also interested in listening to it. Replacing you on the podcast. <laughs> I just got here. Yeah. It's been long enough. <laughs> All right. Well, well you cool. can choose to go and listen or watch your sports documentary selection. Um, if you are listening to this and you also would have would like to watch a sports documentary, you can follow my fun flow chart and get a movie or 
TV series or podcast recommendation. Awesome. What is your favorite thing that's on the list that we did not pick? I really like, oh gosh, this is hard. This is like picking my favorite podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, There's a podcast documentary about the culture of gymnastics that kind of led to the, some of the events surrounding the Larry Nasser. Um, yeah. Uh, stuff and so that one is really good and focuses less on like some of the actual events from the Larry Nasser case and more about like the culture of gymnastics that like allowed it to happen or like kind of like created a situation where that was um like it took so long for people to figure out what was going on or like why it got ignored for so long or like just like kind of people turned a blind eye to it um, so I think that is a really good podcast. And then I'm also going to p- just plug Free Solo, which is about rock climbing, which is also free a really Solo's good great. documentary, I love free Solo. Um, which was one of the ones that was on Cody's uh, p- possibility list that wasn't on um, Tim's because I know he watched it and really liked it. So I guess Free Solo is rock climbing. It's someone who climbs without ropes and it's like his attempt at a very specific project that he wanted to climb without ropes that was I think one of the harder things that's been like free climbed or free solo climbed um to be clear climbed without ropes means just like climbed with no harness or like you know just like your hands climbing up a mountain a sheer face of a mountain yeah hundreds and hundreds of feet just hanging there in the air. Sometimes by like mm-hmm. one knuck like one knuckle, like one joint of a finger. Yeah. It's and like wild. This is Alex Honnold is the climber and he spent like years practicing this route to like free free solo climate. Because free climbing is different and does involve ropes, but free solo climbing doesn't have ropes. So it's um it's really a well done documentary. It's an incredible that was the one, um, one of the, like, if you picked the greatest of all time at their sport, it would have been free solo. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So. Well, cool. We'll post the, the flow charts uh, on Twitter and potentially find a way to link to them in the episode. But if not, they'll definitely be on Twitter. So check it out if you're curious. Yeah. All right, Tim. Uh I'm interested to hear what you've got for me this week. Um, so what do you have to pitch for me? So this one, I'm, I've, over the past 25 episodes, I've pretty much worked through my, like, very best of list. My favorite game is Outer Wilds. We've talked about that plenty. Probably my favorite movie is Arrival. We've gone through that quite a bit. And so this episode... I was debating quite a few different things, including the most, speaking of me liking depressing media, the single most depressing media that I've ever experienced (laughs) um, and really can imagine existing. Um, But I'm not going to pitch that to you today. So just beware. Know that that's coming down it's coming in the future uh like death it's an inevitable future for you is this uh (laughs) is the super depressing media but that's not what i'm pitching you today instead you have forced my hand to pivot to something else and i will explain why in a moment (laughs) um 
this is a thing that was on my list to pitch you, A, because I think it's great, B, because my long con is to get you into football manager, maybe not as much as <laughs> me, but to at least slowly get into it. And so my goal is to back into it as subtly and as far removed as possible and take teeny tiny baby steps over the course of a hundred episodes until you finally want to play football manager. Great. Um, <laughs> will this work? Almost certainly not, but I'm going to give it the old college try and I'm going to pitch you something that I know you already want to do. Interesting. Um, so uh, I was going to pitch you a video game. Okay. And so I wanted to know if you had played this video game or not, because I don't know every video game that you've played. Um, and so I went to your Steam page to see if you had oh. played it. And uh, as I went to your Steam page, I noticed that two days ago you added a game called Pyre to your wish list, which is currently on sale on the Steam library. Is this correct? Uh, it is, and I did add it. That's correct. Suck it. You don't get to just play it by yourself because I'm pitching it to you today. <laughs> um, Pyre is a an RPG. I know that you know this because you added this to your wish list, but for the audience, Pyre is a party-based RPG uh, made by Supergiant Games. This is Supergiant's second appearance on Hard Cell. They're the developer that made Hades as well. Um, they It's a sort of party-based RPG where you play, there's like a giant city in a sort of vaguely maybe post-apocalyptic world. It's not super clear um, where you are. You've been exiled from the city for a crime. It's not immediately clear what or why at first. And you are sort of rescued by another band of exiles and told about an ancient competition across this desert. Um, this sort of like vast limbo area where people who have been exiled and or their descendants live um there's a competition where you can try to get back into the city um called the rights and you form a team with some other exiles and you play a very soccer-ish game to do go through these rights you functionally play a season and then the playoffs um, of different rights to try to win you and your companions um, R-I-G-H-T right to go back into the city, to leave this sort of like barren desert and reapproach the city. Um, I love this game for a couple of reasons. Uh, again, it's a super giant game, so the art is great, like really, really great scenery stuff, really great character art. Uh, the music is great is fantastic i think pyre's music is far and away the best super giant music which is saying a lot because they have lots of really really good music yeah um, they're good pretty much across the board for their yeah like, darren Korb. games they put out now yeah I th uh f yeah, four or five um but yes darren korb is actually the guy who voiced zagreus and hades also does all of their music um, and he's fantastic and, and did an excellent job at Pyre. I still listen to this soundtrack. This is one of two video game soundtracks I listen to regularly between this and Outer Wilds. Um, great soundtrack. And the, the gameplay is good. 
it's a nice little like simple soccer. It's not exactly turn-based, but it's not like real time. I think it does it feels a little bit more like Rocket League. It feels a lot more like Rocket League than it does like FIFA, <laughs> but you're kind of controlling all three cars at once. Um it's sort of hard to explain, which is why you just need to play it and and let me know what you think. Um but I also think the story is just really really strong. I think the the whole premise of like you've been exiled from this city for crimes and then you need to play soccer with other criminals to get back into the city is sort of wild and like it does world building like you can see the seeds of Hades being planted here when you're doing this sort of like vaguely repetitive task and you're uncovering the story slowly over time over like dialogue with characters um, again, you can see the seeds of Hades being planted in like how you interact with characters in between, quote unquote, I mean, in between games, functionally in between rights, when you go back to your little like home caravan um, and chat with different characters it, it you have, you build your team of different exiles that all have really interesting, compelling stories. And I think it tells a pretty interesting story about like lots of stuff like inequality and like um destiny and things like that so i think it's a i like it better than hades i pitched hades i like hades a lot pyre is still my favorite super giant game and so i think you will like it yeah uh yeah i had added it to my wish list because i recently played through another game of theirs uh bastion uh i had replayed it um and i remembered that pyre was a game that i had never played it was the only game in their library that i had not played and beaten before yeah. And so I had planned to play it and add it to my list to play eventually, but uh, now I have a reason <laughs> to play it now. So well, now you can play it now. It is the other interesting thing about Pyre is it has branching storylines. I think I, I haven't played all of the different Super Giant games, but Pyre has a lot of different endings that are possible based on the decisions you make in the game which I think feels very unique for a soccer game <laughs> for a, like uh, basically rocket league to like create this narrative that like there are good and bad endings and it is not always clear when you're making decisions, if they are right or wrong. Um, and so I'm curious to see how your playthrough goes also. Interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, It'll be fun to see how mine compares to the ones that you have done before based on choices I make. Yes. I, I like I like when games give you choices that actually matter uh, mm -hmm. and not just like different color explosions at the end of the game. Yeah, I think it does. Um, nice shade. Um, <laughs> I think it does. Um, it strikes this really good balance, I think, between... Um, you have choices that when things go good or bad, you can kind of see why. But when you're making the choice, it's easy to be like unsure of what is right or what is going to lead to good outcomes. And so, and it has like a very material impact. It's more like Dishonored, where like at the end, there's a there are good endings and there are bad endings and there are kind of in-between endings. Um, and so some people I think found that frustrating because they like made decisions and at the end it's like, 
everyone died because of you. <laughs> They're like, oh, no. Um, but I think it's really interesting, and I think it'll be fun to play through. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to play through it and chat about it since, you know, like you talked about, I was already excited to play it anyway. So <laughs> there we go. Mission accomplished and one step closer to football manager. <laughs> Great. So now speaking of that, is it is it your goal to get me to at some point 100 episodes from now accept playing football manager as my pitch or uh, is your goal to get me to come to terms with it and play it on my own outside? Well, of the I guess I think. Well, you have to accept it. If I pitch you football manager, <laughs> you would have to play. That's it. fair. I, think I could just goal, quit the podcast instead. But my goal is to get you to want to try football manager. That's my goal, not because I want you to, but because you want to try the gameplay is what is my real goal. And I think gotcha. I can get there. I feel confident. If well, given enough episodes and enough whining on my end about it, I think you can. I think I can do it. I was gonna say we'll check in another twenty-five episodes from now when we're at that fifty mark and see. <laughs> yes, see every twenty-five episodes, I'll pitch you a <laughs> vaguely football manager-related game until we get closer and closer. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks and we'll talk about it. Sounds good awesome. to me. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Hard Sell. Uh, remember to drop us a rating and a review uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, follow us on Twitter at Hard Sell Show. Uh, you can send us an email at hardsellshow at gmail.com. Um, and until next time, uh, we'll catch you on the floopity flop. Catch you on the floopity flop.